You're listening to The Pastor Pod, sharing what we're learning to help you lead well in our culture today. This podcast is hosted by pastors Josh Robinson and Jay Mudd. Their goal is to be real, transparent, and let you in on what pastors really think about stuff. Well, welcome back to The Pastor Pod. We're glad you have taken some time to join us. Uh, we are on episode 96, and uh, if you are new to the podcast, I'm Josh. I'm a pastor in uh, Venice, Florida at the Bridge Church, and as you, if you have, or if you are new or you've been with us for a while, Jay Mudd's always here with us, but obviously today he's not with us, uh, which I've definitely sad he's not with us, but he is uh, preparing for his second uh, gathering as a church. And so he has some real important meetings today. So he uh, hate, hated to miss this conversation, but uh, continue to pray for Jay and, and uh, Village Point Church as they're getting ready to uh, keep it going. And, uh, but I am super, super excited I'm here with an old friend from Bible College and uh, his incredible pastor named James Ross. Uh, James, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, welcome to the Pastor Pod. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Josh. This is awesome. This is like a, a blast from the past. You know, we we don't get to hang out as much as we used no. to. No. And uh, you could call me a BCF legend, but it's solely because I broke my arm all the way through playing flag football. And yeah. You. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're you're up there, man. Like the if if you don't know where the Baptist College of Florida is, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Obviously, Graceville, Florida, where the living is easy. Uh <laughs> small, small school in the panhandle. You know, you're close to Alabama and Georgia. But I met some some of the best friends, including James. Just God's doing an incredible work through you where you're at. I follow you from afar, obviously. We don't get a chance to chat as much, but uh man going back to the Bible college days and where we are today, it's just cool to see God's hand of faithfulness in your ministry. Yeah, man. A lot of God's grace. No doubt about that. That's awesome. And so tell us, you know, tell the podcast world a little, a little bit about you, uh, you, your family, uh, where you're at and where God has you serving. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I grew up in, uh, Jacksonville and a small town outside of Jacksonville, Stark, Florida, for anybody who knows that reference. Uh, made my way over to uh, Graceville uh, in uh, 2004. I'd already kind of pursued education, and the Lord got a hold of me in terms of going into ministry in 2004. Um, ended up working as a youth pastor in the area, uh, about an hour and a half from Graceville, commuting there. That's how I kind of landed in the Panhandle. And um, I'd only been to the Panhandle past Tallahassee one time ever before going to Graceville, just so you know. So <laughs> people always tell me about the beaches here and I'm like, who cares? I grew up on the East coast of Florida. Who cares? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Where the, where the waves are. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Right. But, uh, ended up, uh, living in a town called Crestview, uh, as I was working for that church after graduation, working on my MDiv, my master's through, uh, remote stuff. And then, um, Ended up planting a church at 25 years old. I don't necessarily think that's the best thing to do, uh, but God is very gracious. And I was there about 10 years. And then after 10 years, the Lord uh, brought me to what was First Baptist Church of Niceville. Um, Christy and I have been married for 17 years, and we have six children. Uh, four of those uh, biologically and two were uh, adopted through uh, foster care. That's awesome. You have a beautiful family and uh, I knew Christy back when, at school and, and uh, it's just cool to see you guys and what God is doing there. So you're in Niceville and I have to ask the question and I've, I've asked this probably every time we're with each other. Tell us about the people in Niceville. Yeah. 
they're nice. <laughs> <laughs> you ever get tired of that joke? <laughs> every every time I meet someone and I say I'm from Niceville, they say, "Is it nice there?" So the norm, the original name of the town is Boggy Bayou. Boggy really, Florida, yes. Boggy Bayou. I like that. Boggy and we Bayou. are home of what was the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival. Oh. Nice. Like, not like the, hair- the haircut mullet the or was haircut. actually the fish mullet? The fish, the fish. But there's yeah. probably some haircut mullets at the fish mullet. I know Billy Ray Cyrus was there one year at its peak. Oh, so. nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I've been through there many times. It's a, it's a great area. Uh, are you guys experiencing a lot of growth in, in so, that area of, of Florida? So Niceville itself is landlocked. So the growth here hasn't been, you know, up to par with what the rest of Florida is because we have Eglin Air Force Base. About 80% of our church is active duty or retired military. Uh, and then we have the water, the Choctahatchee Bay. You know, Destin, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Destin, is on the other side of the bay. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of land. We do expect about uh, four to 10,000 people to move here in the next decade, uh, which is, you know, for a town of our size, is pretty significant um, as a little bit land, more land is developed. But yeah, definitely not uh, where you're at, man. I mean, it's exploding yeah. places where you are. Yeah, Venice used to be a... A little small town uh, and it still is small compared to you know uh, larger areas in florida but it is uh people are coming down like crazy yeah, um so tell us so i you know i i've seen i've seen you know back in the day i think we even did a like a disciple now retreat at your church plant do you remember that like me and some guys from school came so that was at the church i was a youth pastor at that's yeah. right okay so yeah. that was even before that. that so yeah i yeah, do remember chris that. miller chris miller yeah. yeah yeah we had a great time and yeah. uh and and so so coming from you know you're, you've you've been a youth pastor you've been a church planner now you have been at a, an established church that has gone through some change and uh so talk about that journey you know or you don't have to give us too much detail if you don't want on the earlier times but as as you came out of church plant mode into an established church uh, talk about that, that the journey God brought you through and kind of things that you've learned. Yeah, so um, we were at what was called Mosaic. They've changed the name to Hub City Church. Uh, I think they did that to me since I changed the name of First Baptist Church of Niceville. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was there. I was there about 10 years. Uh, we started with seven people in uh, a living room and really were, were fruitful in reaching young military families. That was our aim. The church had a pretty high turnover because of the makeup of the church, about 25 to 50 percent left every summer. Um, but still, over 10 years, we grew to about 300 people. Um, we saw, you know, a lot of baptisms uh, specifically compared to our sister Baptist churches in our town, which, you know, isn't necessarily celebrating us. It's kind of an indictment on how ineffective uh, a lot of the churches had become at that time. And I think um, are seeing that now. Uh, we had. We had merged with another church who gave us their building. We had built another children's building on top of that. And I actually got the call about this church when our children's building was a month out from being finished. And we were remodeling our sanctuary to create more space too. So things were going well. Christy and I had just had our kind of like long time home built two and a half years before this, where we Mm -hmm. thought we were going to be a long time. So things were going well. And I got the call uh, from a friend. Who said, hey, this church uh, asked for my advice. Um, I told them they should get your advice in looking for a pastor, but they really should ask you for your resume. And I was like, I am not interested in uh, First Baptist Church. Uh, so um, 
that just wasn't me. I didn't grow up in church, had never been a part of a First Baptist church. I'd heard all the stories of First Baptist churches. And I came, you know, I came here um, <laughs> because, uh, number one, I did feel like there was somebody at our church who could take over uh, if I were to leave uh, and do a good job. Uh, number two is they were, they had just finished a remodel of their building and a building of a new children's building and really wanted to reach young families, hmm. yet wanted to remain like faithful to the scripture and, you know, try not to compromise in engaging your families. And I felt like God had equipped me to do that. And number three, uh, our church was trying to help other churches, but we were running at that time and church planners understand this about 300 people. And our budget was $350,000 a year. Right. Uh, when I came here, the church was running about 500 and the budget was about $1.8 million. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, man, there are so much resources to plant other churches and establish other churches. So that's kind of, I'm, I'm simplifying. I mean, it was a lot of tears. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, my wife asked me one day after I was talking to the team on the phone, like, are you trying to sabotage this? Like, you don't want to go. So uh, it definitely was like a lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of anguish, but just since the Lord was drawing me and, um, and yeah, that was almost six years. I started December, 2017. So almost six years ago. Wow. That's awesome. So, so talk about the challenges that you faced when, when you, so you, you, you took the position, you prayed through it, you went through the whole, by the way, the interview process is always different. Yes. No matter what church or. <laughs> yeah. And so you went through all of that, you got to know the church and then you really get to know the church once you actually start to serve there. Right. And, and you're past the dating stage and you're like, okay, we're married, we're here. My family's starting to, to really build relationships. Talk about not only the challenges, but what God did in your church, because, you know, hearing you tell the story from going from a church plant, predominantly the average age is what, probably 20s, 30s, probably because of the military families. Yeah, I was 35 when I left and I was older than 90% of the church. Right. And so I'm, I'm assuming what would, what would be the church, the church on Bayshore, uh, what would be the average age there? Yeah, when I came, uh, I would just say my son said, hey, you're not a young pastor. I mean, you're not an old pastor anymore. You're young now. That we're here. <laughs> so, uh, which 35, I wouldn't say is really old pastor. But yeah, I, I think mm -hmm. that there were probably, there were less than 100 people, including kids and adults who were who were less than 40 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. out of 500. Yeah. So you, so you had that experience where you go, because I hear from a lot of church planners, they, they do reach a lot of younger people, which is awesome. But then they long for the older to pour into the younger. Yeah, and you miss you miss that intergenerational uh, health that a church really needs to have. And so, yeah. talk about the maybe some of the challenges you had, but also some of the blessings that you saw as you moved into this into you know where you're at now. Well, you you brought out such a great point. I mean, as I talk to younger pastors, excuse me, pastors of younger churches. I mean, we always say like if they had one or two guys, you know, one or two families who were just older, it would make a big difference. And and that's just a true statement. And I would just challenge you know those who are comfortable where they are to pray about that even for a season you know go and help a church plant for a year or two uh and that's what that was, that's what we've asked people to do but yeah when i mm. when i was being interviewed i was asked like are you going to struggle coming to a church that has so many people older than you and i i said i think i'm going to thrive 
because I'm going to have the wisdom of so many godly men and women who've, who, who are twice mm -hmm. my age in some cases. And I just really feel like that has been the case. Like I have grown so much as a leader mm -hmm. because of them. And, and what I would really say is because of their encouragement. And this isn't, I'm not knocking my previous church at all, but young yeah. people just don't know how to encourage, like mm -hmm. by and large. And older, mature believers are encouraging. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have the ones that tell me to turn down that expletive music, you know, that we're playing and all that stuff here and there. <laughs> but um, man, the encouraging really brought me, encouragement really brought me to tears mm -hmm. uh, the first few months. Um, it was just very affirming. I would just say that. Um, mm -hmm. But with all that being said, I mean, my first Sunday, as we were in the contemporary service, um, and I say that in quotes, my wife cried because it was old school, man. It was mm -hmm. old school and, you know, love the people, but just not done in a way that was going to really connect with younger families. Mm -hmm. um, but our church had invested $7 million in a renovation of a facility and had built a new kids building and had a pastor who retired and said, you need a young pastor to lead you forward and had a lot of people who were ready. And wow. so I came into great soil. I believe God had given me some of the tools, but I came into the soil being ripe. Um, and so we started experiencing growth immediately uh, when I came. Um, and that also kind of affirmed for some of our older crowd, okay, this is working. Um, mm -hmm. and so I would just say that, like, I can talk about kind of what we've done, but it was, it's not always reproducible because some guys walk into a situation and the, the church just isn't ready. Yeah. Because when you're making change to a established church, it's, it's, it's like a marathon church planning you're sprinting, you know, and there's days that you're trying to make a change really quickly. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I, I was honest, you know, I said, Hey, if I'm here five years to the search team and we're not making progress, I'm not gonna, I'll be 40 at that point. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to give those years to try, unless the Lord speaks to me clearly, yeah. I'm not going to give those years of ministry to people that don't want to do what I feel like the Lord's leading us to do. Like, yeah, no, no hard feelings. Like I'll just, I'll just go. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. You're just straightforward because there's a lot of wasted time when we're not honest and clear and uh, yeah. in, a, in a loving way. And so I, I love the, the fact that the pastor that, that preceded you uh, left it with a heartbeat of, Hey, we want to reach back to the younger people. Yeah. What a legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think, I think, you know, we, we also uh, the, the previous worship pastor, um, who I, who was alive when I first heard about the church and had been here 30 years and was a great man. And I actually thought him being here would be advantageous to the new pastor because if he said, let's do something, the church would do it. But he actually passed away during the search process. Wow. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that's a benefit or, or, or a negative because um, that did enable us to say, hey, we're going to call a new worship pastor. So while we we, we hurt from that guy who'd been there 30 years. Um, it did enable us to say, okay, well, the music style is going to change, you know, immediately. Um, and, and call, and we're going to call somebody, you know, who, who reflects kind of where we're going. So, um, again, I mean, I, I would hate to say like, that was a win because again, I think he would have really helped me in a lot of ways. 
but in terms of the church culture changing, that was something that did contribute to, it's kind of got to change. And I'm not, it's not because of me. Like, I'm not saying, you know, Hey, it's got to change. It's just got to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, in the first year I really tried to shepherd people, spend time with people. I think that really helped a lot. There was a lady who put her arm around Christy at our Q and a, and she said, don't let your husband change this church. And, um, I was like, all right, the, and, and her husband actually spoke up at the Q and a and questioned me on some things. So I was like, Hey, I got to get to know those people. And yeah. now they're, they're two of my biggest supporters. So I, so yeah. I, I think, I think if people know they can talk to you about their objections and questions, you can move forward pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I you know I, I don't want to say that because I realize not every situation is the same, sure. but I do think that really helped us. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And I think you've seen God's hand of blessing because you've, you're slowly walking with the people that have been there forever, like your legacy people. Yeah. And then you're, but, the, but then the heartbeat is to reach out and to help those. So what are some of the, what are some of the blessings you've seen? I mean, and maybe talk to us, how, how did you get, how did you help the church move from a first Baptist in name to uh, <laughs> the, the church at Bayshore? Yeah. So my first year we formed a vision task force. I pulled people from all generations some people have been there a long time. Some people haven't been there that long. And I just kind of walked them through some, some books and had them answer a bunch of questions, essentially getting to the point of what is great about our church and what needs to change about our church. Mm-hmm. And the name change was identified by one of our 70-something-year-old Sunday school teachers. He said, because he had seen his children and the, them not be in an SBC church, you know, and them being in a, in a church yeah. that... Um, was more engaging. And he was like, we need to change the name of church. Um, and so I was able to say, Hey, he said <laughs> that that was the only thing that I would say was challenging for me in the first two years, because people just, they tied so many, it wasn't even about mm-hmm. the name. They just tied so much else to it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're changing the name, then we're going to go this way and all that. Uh, but we, we actually let the congregation vote on it. We really didn't have to, um, but, but we did cause we thought it would be unwise to, to not. Um, and you know, we, we did lose two families through that, but I mean, at that time we're running 700 something people and you only lose two families from that. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought mm-hmm. that, I thought that, um, it went well. So, so let me just say some things we did the first year, preach through acts. Didn't, I had lunch with somebody every single day. I specifically tried to make hospital visits even more than I do now. Um, we did the vision task force. Um, and then we really began to help people understand like how we're doing so many things that don't make a difference. They're mm-hmm. not bad, right. but it's not making a difference. Mm. And that, it, go ahead. That's a lot of wisdom there that you spent. You, you, you carved out time to build relationships and then shepherd them. But I, I love, I love the way, and, and you pulled together people from all different generations. That's, that's a wise move. Um, Cause I mm-hmm. think some of the negative side of leading change is you find people that think and look and, <laughs> and like exactly what you like. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and leading an intergenerational church, you know, you need all, everybody to have a part and uh, to hear from them because they bring wisdom from all the different, the different places whether they're young or, or middle or old, you know? Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I have the privilege of walking with a lot of guys who are a little bit younger than me. And, and I do sense like a lot of them are in an echo chamber. Um, 
and they don't know it. it they, they that's not their character. They just don't recognize it. They're only but they're only reading articles from guys in their stage of life and and even they're reading articles from guys who are older but not seeing how it's actually fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a defensiveness a little bit to people questioning them. Mm-hmm. What I've recognized about older people in our church is they will question me on everything. It doesn't mean they're against me at all. They just that's just yeah. what they do. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that may literally be it. They ask me the question. I feel like they're arguing with me. I answer the question and I never hear another wor- a word about mm-hmm. it. So like, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's a generational thing. They just kind of give their opinion, you know, mm-hmm. and you know when mm-hmm. I'm 80, I might just say whatever I think too. I don't, I don't <laughs> that's, know. Right. that's right. <laughs> they kind of earned that right. You know, if absolutely. Served absolutely. And, and raised kids and all that, like fought in a war, like, you know what? <laughs> You know, you can ask me anything. That's right. I and I, I, I can echo that. You know, our church is intergenerational and uh, we are, by God's grace, reaching all different ages. And uh, but I, I love our our the older crowd. Many are are some are new to faith and then others have been in church for a very, a very long time. But they're they're so humble and kind and supportive and they have great wisdom. Um, yeah. And you always have you have people in every age range that are difficult and have it, you know, strong, strong issues, or you're not going to please everybody, obviously. But, but talk about your research, James. And I, I don't know, I, we didn't talk about this up to this point, but you finished your doctorate of ministry with New Orleans Seminary and, and you worked on, from what we talked about briefly, just research on a lot of probably what you've, you've been walking through, right? Inter, yeah. The intergenerational church, uh, probably leading change. I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming right now some of this, but I know you have done some research. So talk about what, what, what have you learned and what are you seeing? Because I think a lot of churches could really glean from this. A lot of pastors could really say, Hey, we either want to become more intergenerational or we're trying to figure out how to love the young, like you love the current generation, uh, but also keep leaning, reaching back. Like we're going to love everybody, but we want to lean towards always raising up who's behind us and having a heart for kids and families that don't know Christ. Yeah. Well, um, so we succeeded, you know, we, we grew pretty substantially up until March, 2020, um, when COVID hit and we had really become a multi-generational church. And, um, then after COVID, you know, we're in Florida, so we were pretty much back in action by the summer, uh, you know, and we, while even in, I think places in central and South Florida were, um, still struggling i mean we were back at our our pre-covid numbers within a year um and so and then continued to grow and 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 what i realized though um while we've had been successful in becoming multi-generational we were not we were like two separate churches maybe three separate churches Mm -hmm. um and and i just i really became convicted about that in reading through scripture and uh, recognize we have got to, and 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 I I would just say this like, I have older, mature men and women in my life, and it makes me so much stronger of a dad, husband, pastor. But I recognize a lot of people don't have that, and um and you know I don't necessarily have that from my family, but I have that from my church family. Well, there's a lot of people who don't have that from their family or their church family, and um. And I and, and then we also look at like all the generational like downgrades, if you will. And it's like 
but that's the current generation's responsibility, right? Like boomer parents are the reason millennials are the way they are, right? Like, come on, let's, let's be real there, you know? And so mm -hmm. that's, that's a easy, that was low hanging fruit, but like in the right. church, um, in judges chapter two, verse 10, it says this very, uh, indicting mm -hmm. thing after they enter the promised land, it says there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord, you know? And so, wow. wow. Like mm. right after like this, these heroes, right? Like fighting for the promised land, there arises a generation after them that doesn't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I really just started to do my research on how can we be an intergenerational church? And so that's what mm -hmm. my ministry project was on, uh, is a strategy for being an intergenerational uh, church, excuse me, a strategy of intergenerational discipleship for our church. Mm. Um, mm. And so we kind of, we kind of then, Put that into practice immediately and said hey the church typically functions in silos of age groups when it should look like a house and so you might be in your own bedrooms like doing your own thing here and there with your age group but you should be in the living room you should be in the kitchen serving together dining room eating together mm -hmm. like all those kind of things and and so we just kind of said how can we become um mm -hmm. more intergenerational yeah that's so good i i, I love the, the the house concept and typically, like we like to carve out programs and ministries that they don't in ever interact. And I, I think the more we can develop a culture of of different ages coming together is great. Like, like I'm in, we have different groups in our church, and we have different men's groups. And we have, like, in the men's group I'm a part of, it's there's guys that are in their 20s, and we've got I, I'm not sure how old some of the guys are, but they're probably pushing into their 80s. And yeah, that's awesome. There's there's a cool dynamic. When, when, when the whole group has a, has a kindred spirit towards one another and a, and a humble spirit, uh, whether it's the young or old, or even in the middle, uh, you really see the Holy spirit show up because when the younger guy says, man, I, I am stressed out about this, you know, jo this job project, and I don't know what to do. We're having a baby soon. And I'm just stressed out. Then you have the, 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 the gentleman that's, that's you know, has a teenager or you have someone that has great grandparents, you see a really encouraging, encouraging family experience in that moment where they just, they don't just say, Oh, you'll be fine. They actually like sit down in it with them and say, Hey, I, I can, I can see where you're coming from, but Hey, you're going to get through this. And, hmm. and then they, they pray for them throughout the week. And so I've really grown to love that. And uh, it's really been impactful uh, because we need each other and uh, you see God's hand in that. Um, what other things have you, have you picked up on as you've led the church at Bayshore and like, and then I also want you to talk about what God's doing through you leading the pastors conference here in Florida and, yeah. and kind of what's coming up next week. Well, I, th I think just kind of staying on this intergenerational thing for a second, there's a book called the upside of aging and, um, Paul, uh, I don't want to mess up his name. I think it's Irving, but that could be wrong. Uh, but if you look up the upside of aging, you'll find that. I mean, he he talks through. It's not a it's not a Christian book. He talks through how uh, much older people are getting and living longer, and how life expectancy is really changing our culture. And I would say, you know, we're at a time where you could easily have five generations within a church now. When when fifty years ago, seventy years ago, for sure, it was three. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think we have to recognize that impacts the church and impacts our ministry. So, um, you know, we, we teach with that in mind. Um, we try to create connection points for generations. 
uh, whether it be you know certain programs, certain service opportunities. Uh, we have made it a requirement that all of our ministry leadership teams, uh, that's kind of who I would say runs kind of what we do as a church alongside our staff, that they are intergenerational. It's a requirement um, that the three, basically three generations of adults are, are represented. Um, you know, somebody under 40, somebody 40 to 60 and somebody 60 plus. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have a formal, formal mentorship program uh, that I think 34 people are going through right now. And um, all the mentors are older mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, most of the mentees are younger. Um, mm -hmm. So those are, those are some things that I think are working. Um, I will say that, you know, it is a challenge because of worship style. That is the biggest barrier yeah. to uh, us really fully being intergenerational and, um, and, you know, and it's on both sides, man. It's not just like the old people want their music. It's the young people who want their music. And you know, as a pastor, you wish people would really lay all that aside and just come together and worship. Um, yeah. So we're trying, but, but we also recognize like, Hey, if we did that tomorrow, we would, we would lose a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's just not going to work. So <laughs> um, you, you can, you can email me and send all the scripture you want, but it's not going to work. So, so, so I would say we're still challenged with that. But I do think our people, we've defined a mission. We have given a defined mission and vision, and we emphasize it over and over again. And it's connected to the scripture. And I think it resonates with our people. We have made it clear what a disciple should look like. Yeah. We've said, hey, these are the things the disciple should be doing. And we emphasize that. Um, and we teach on that at least once a year. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have come up, and this is where I think a lot of pastors struggle. We have a strategy for our mission and vision. So like one of our parts of our vision is to lead people to believe in Jesus. Well, how are we actually doing that? Mm -hmm. We have four primary ways we're doing that. And we evaluate that on a regular basis. And I would say most pastors don't get to that place. It's like, hey, we want to love God, love the world. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What is your, what's the member of your church supposed to do? Just make mm -hmm. disciples and love on people. Cool. But what, what? Right. We just need to preach the word. Yeah, right. That's like, it. That's it. It's like, of course, oh, yeah, of, well, course. of course, absolutely. A thousand percent. And yeah. Yeah. after that, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, so, so, and then we have goals tied to that strategy. Uh, we say numbers don't uh, end a conversation. They start a conversation. So mm -hmm. kind of, you know, we're going to allow these numbers to be what starts our conversation. They, they're not, our worth isn't tied to these numbers, but we're going to ask if student ministry hasn't grown in a year, why, you know, mm -hmm. if, in 2020, our attendance dropped significantly. It didn't mean we were a failure. It mean COVID happened. So like, that's an extreme example, but right. you know, we are giving in the fall is a little behind where it was in the spring because we had 61 people move this year from the military, like mm -hmm. you know, committed members, like that kind yeah. of stuff happens, but we're going to look at it. Um, and I would also just say the, probably the most challenging thing we've experienced is we just had to say no to a lot of things that the church was doing. Um, and, and because it was causing us not to be able to say yes to the things that we know we should do. Like we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, children's ministry. And then our children's ministry on Sunday morning started exploding and we needed volunteers. Well, you know, we have a pool of volunteers, but they're already committed another time of the week. Mm -hmm. And so we just said, Hey, we're going to cut one of those uh, programs to fuel Sunday morning. Um, and you know, I mean, 
not everybody liked that, but I think by and large they got it. It was tied to vision, you know. So right, right, um, yeah. So, so I'm just kind of spouting off some random things right now, but um, but but I would just say that ultimately when I came and started working on the strategy, like I quickly realized culture eat strategy for breakfast, and we've got to see the culture here at our church change, and that's still something that is happening um, in six years, and and COVID. Mm-hmm. I would say accelerated that. So it's almost been like I've been here yeah. 10 years. Yeah. We still yeah. have culture things that need to change. Oh, it's so good. so good. I love so much wisdom there. I think you need to pause this episode and go back and probably <laughs> slow those, those statements down. Yeah, so so we, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's just good stuff. And I think, uh, so, so where are you at now? Do you still have services like a traditional and a contemporary separate? Is that, is that part of your long-term goal to have that more, uh, combined long-term if that was if you if you could make that decision slowly yeah. and with with wisdom is that uh, where you hope to be one day i tell the church that i have a vision that we have identical services two identical services but um not just because i don't want to preach three times even though that is one of the reasons um, <laughs> but uh just so that we're together more more uh demographic yeah. you know are mixed together and some some are leading the way in that so when i say like we have a traditional service that's our smallest attended service. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's mostly, I, th- I think this is a non-issue in about 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and, and we're in a Baptist church too. So remember that, you know, a first Baptist church. So there's some people that, you know, they're, they have their preference. Mm-hmm. They admit that now, like it's a preference, mm-hmm. but it's a strong preference. Um, That's right. No That's one, right. No one is ugly. Yeah. Here, but about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it would just be hard for them. It would be really hard for them. So yeah, we'd love to go to two identical services. I think we're going to need to figure out how we, we can't quite, that'd be tough if we continue to grow. So, um, but that's, that's our heart. That's awesome. So tell us what, what you're doing with the, with the pastor's conference coming up and uh, kind of what brought you to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was actually asked a couple of years ago if I considered doing it. And at that time I was working on my doctorate and was pretty new in this role and just didn't feel like, man, I could say yes to that. Um, and then when it came up a couple of years later and somebody had mentioned it to me, I said, you know, I, I think, yeah, if nobody else wants to do it, you know, and I don't know that anybody else really wanted to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said, yeah. And literally, if somebody ran against me, I was gonna be like, never mind, he can have it. Like, <laughs> for real, because I'm not, you know, I just want to serve pastors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I do think, man, I, I, I feel like I'm so blessed. Our church is so supportive. Um, we had like a conflict in our church this summer and just made, made it through it so smoothly. Like, um, and I just know that's not the reality for so many guys. Um, and, and so I just want to serve them. Um, I want them to be encouraged. I do feel like we've constantly had these themes of like, how do we like, don't quit, don't give up. And so I, I was like, okay, well, what do you do when you don't quit? And so this year we're going to focus on here and now, like you are here, the culture is what it is. What are you going to do about it? You know? And mm-hmm. so, um, and so we asked guys to speak to that theme. Um, so uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to worship in some different styles and uh, just try to, just try to uplift, give, do some giveaways and just try to really uplift um, and hopefully encourage uh, people yeah. to get after it when they get back. Well, it's cool to see you from, from, you know, all the posts and all the things going on. I know it's a lot of work and I know God's going to use it to bless a lot of pastors. 
and leaders this next week. So, man, this has been such a great conversation. I mean, just me and Jay say all the time, one of the reasons we love having this podcast is we get to connect with old friends and new friends and, and learn from you. And so if, if, uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, uh, what would be a way they could do that? If they have any questions or ways that they can learn more. Yeah, they could email me James at church on org, And that comes to three people and eventually gets to me. No, I'm just kidding. It, it comes right. <laughs> <to me. laughs> and, you know, I'm happy to, I, I'll respond. They can test and see if I'll respond within 24 hours. And, yeah. The 24 hour rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd be happy to connect. And um, I mean, that that's really, as I enter in this next season, I mean, my kids focusing in on discipling them and equipping them and kind of beginning to say, okay, now, how do I learn to be, you know, a spiritual big brother? How do I be learn to be a spiritual yeah. father, if you will? So, um, you know, if I can help anybody, um, I, man, I would love that. That's 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 a commitment. I actually serve as our volunteer director of missions, uh, just because, you know, I wanna or whatever that title is called now. You know, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. wanna mobilize the church together. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's awesome to see where God has you now, James, and just your heart to to not only plant, but to see churches healthy and thrive. And so, yeah, we're just ex- thankful for you took some time out to be on the podcast today and uh, definitely, definitely need to have you back on, but uh, appreciate your time. Uh, do you have any final thoughts to kind of no. wrap up our time today? Yeah. Thank you guys for what you're doing. I think that, you know, we, we need people in this space, just kind of encouraging. Uh, we, I mean, if you see the stats on pastors quitting church staff quitting, it's, it's alarming. And the bench is not, it's not deep. I feel like when we were in Bible college, you had a ton of guys who like, were like, Hey, you know, this is, I want to serve Jesus and serve the church. And, and that's not the case today. And so I think that things like this need to be happening. So I just, I know it's time. And I know you guys probably question sometimes like, you know, is this really, you know, the best Mm -hmm. use of our time, but I would just encourage you to keep on uh, doing what you're doing and, and being faithful. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, James. And uh, from all of us here at the Pastor Pod, thanks for joining us. I uh, hope to hear hear from you and uh, connect with you online. You can you can follow us on social media. Uh, you can also uh, shoot us an email, thepastorpod at gmail.com if you have questions or if you have any topics you want us to discuss in the days ahead. Uh, but James, thanks for taking time today and uh, hope to connect with you sometime soon in real life and not just on Zoom today. <laughs> so. Well, have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you next time.